Welcome in Slumpbusters. It is time for episode 96. I'm your host, Juju Talk Sports, and my guest today is going to be Calvin Domingo, Steezy A. Smith. On today's pod, we preview the NFC West. We talk Russell Wilson's future in Seattle, Ben Simmons' future in Philadelphia, and break down those NBA finals. But before we do that, folks, it's time to give a shout out to our partners. Caveman Coffee Co. Caveman is a fantastic single source, single origin goodness from a company with impeccable taste and ethics. The people behind it are beautiful souls, and the coffee is delicious fuel for the never-ending quest to do better, be better, love harder, and enjoy deeper. Guys, I tell you, their nitro cold brew is the perfect blend of energy and refreshment in the morning. Great way to start the day. But why stop there? They have their mammoth blends, which I highly encourage you getting. They have their hibiscus teas, which are delicious. And guys, if you use our promo code slump, you get 15% off your next purchase of any of these fantastic products cavemancoffeeco.com promo code slump guys don't be a chump use promo code slump and get yourself a case today all right slump busters it's time for the episode cca smith juju talk sports sit down bust the slump and enjoy Welcome back, Slump Busters. It is long overdue, but we are here for episode 96. I'm your host, Juju Talk Sports, and my guest today, speaking of long overdue, speaking of good things coming to those who wait, DZ, A. Smith, Calvin Domingo. We've been trying to set this up for a while, man, and you are finally here, so welcome on to the Slump Buster. Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me, my brother. Uh, feels good to be back. Uh, once again, Steezy A. Smith, for those of you who don't know. One of the rapidly growing YouTube channels that I've come across recently, you're just over 2,000 subscribers. I know we were just talking about it. We took a little hiatus. You took a little hiatus. And it's tough trying to be an independent creator sometimes to keep up that motivation, right? What are some tricks you've kind of like learned over this time of doing this, man? Man, really just, just to stay consistent. You know, I feel like if you have the passion, the passion will be enough, you know, despite having, or maybe being in a little slump here and there, but consistency is really the key. I mean, if you have a passion for it, the ability to pump out videos or pump out content on a regular basis, it'll come. And so uh, to me, it's only been about a year since I started this. And so everything's just been going, like you said, real fast. Um, and it's been un- unbelievable, really. But I try to just keep the faith and, and shout out to God, really. You said the key word there. You said slump. Well, we're the Slump Buster Podcast. We are here to bust the slump and bring you great content. So I've been checking out some of your most recent videos here. I'm not noticing the Seahawks flag in the background, thankfully. Um, at least kind of like this gives me a little bit more comfort, but you were in the home of the enemy out by the Bay out by the home of my San Francisco 49ers. How was that for you, Calvin? Oh man, it was, it was lovely. It was a blast. I hate to speak so kindly of, of, of San Francisco, but man, I love it over there. I was a little surprised. The weather wasn't as warm as I had originally anticipated, excuse me, but, uh, I didn't see too many 49er fans out there. You know, a lot of them were cool. You know, I was repping my Hawks out there, so they know what I was, uh, what I was repping, but man, I loved it. And I, I can't wait to be back. Really. I think one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made in my life was assuming that just because a city is in California, that it's going to be warm, sunny. Uh, San Francisco actually is not. Um, and on that trip, when I was uh, quite a bit younger, decided to pack all shorts. That was not my smartest decision, but uh, <laughs> that's, why, yeah. that's why you live and you learn. <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. Well, you know, speaking on that, that's might as well be a good place to start here. So Seahawks fan, Niners fan, NL West, one of the craziest divisions in football. Uh, There were some betting lines that came out recently that had the Rams at plus 600, the Niners uh, plus 650, 
Seahawks plus 1200 to win the NFC this year. Calvin, when you see that, do you think people are underrating your Hawks? Most definitely. You know, ever since Russell Wilson's been the quarterback for my Seattle Seahawks, the team has never finished below 500. And when you include the year 2017, when they missed the playoffs at nine and seven, even then they were above 500. And so I think the ceiling is an easy nine, 10 wins. Um, and you kind of look at what they did on both sides of the football. I'm not going to say that, oh, they made the surefire moves to propel them to the Super Bowl. But as long as you have a top five quarterback in Russell Wilson, you still have a top five head coach. You have talent really all over the place on both sides of the ball. It really just comes down to are the Seahawks going to be able to master the new offensive scheme with Shane Waldron coming in, offensive coordinator on defense. There are some pieces there. Jamal Adams, obviously, they got to get a, con a contract extension done. But I think that when all is said and done, the Seahawks had the talent necessary to compete. And I think that slotting them in pretty much or essentially third in their own division, I think it's a little bit of a slap in the face. I mean, considering the fact that they did just win the division, albeit they ended, you know, uh, with the loss to the Rams, they did win the NFL's toughest division last year at 12 and four. And so I certainly think that deserve a little bit more respect than that. Are you concerned though, kind of a thing I've noticed with Russell Wilson in the last couple of years is he starts off ball of fire, hot start, and then towards the last stretch of games, specifically in December and early January, just peters out like the offense stalls and just not a lot of movement going on there, despite a great offensive pieces like Chris Carson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, of course, Russell Wilson himself. I totally understand the concerns. And yes, I'm a little bit worried just because it has become a trend in recent years. But I think that with Shane Waldron coming in, the type of offense that he's going to bring in, I think that he's going to cater not only to Russell Wilson, but he's going to bring a little bit more innovation to the offense. I think that in years past, there really hasn't been much innovation. There hasn't been very much creativity. And so that's why defenses kind of figure out, oh, what the Hawks are doing in the first half of the year. I think that with Shane Waldron coming in, he's going to change a lot of things for this offense. The defense is going to be much better, uh, in my opinion. And so I think that this year I'm not as worried. If Russell Wilson's still in his prime. He was really en route to being MVP last year, if not for the second half of last year. So I think that he has a fire. He's, he's very motivated. And I think that he knows some of the doubt and some of the criticisms about him in the second half of the seasons. And I think he's going to be looking to change that this upcoming year. So what, are you saying Shane Waldron, like his recipe is to let Russ cook all year? Or do you think the Seahawks would be best served to go back to more of a run first offense and playing through their defense? I'd like to see more of a balanced offense. I'm not going to say that, oh, let Russ cook, but I'm also not going to lean towards, oh, let's just pound, pound and ground or ground and pound. When you have so many weapons at receiver, DK, obviously, Tyler Lockheed, I have really high hopes for Gerald Everett, Dwayne Eskridge, some of the rookies that are coming in, Kay Johnson. Uh, and he's actually not even on the team anymore, but Tamori Ontario was another guy I was very excited about. But I just think that in years past, Russ Wilson has also lacked the weapons uh, in terms of, you know, not having a third option last year behind DK and Tyler. There wasn't a reliable third option. Running backs have been injured in recent years. Chris Carson, he's almost never always there during the second half of the season. He's always missing a stretcher here, here or there. And so I think that's definitely contributed to some Russell Wilson's poor performances. But I'm going to say a little bit of both. I'm going to say hopefully Shane Waldron brings in a more balanced offense. How do you think they stack up to the rest of the division? Whether we're talking about the Rams, uh, who had the number one defense in football last year. Um, big change at quarterback with Matthew Stafford, obviously. The Niners, who their biggest thing has been over the last few years, health, let's face it, led the league in injuries over the last four years. And I don't know whether it's the field, Levi's, or we just draft soft guys, but something's not right there. <laughs> and then you have the Cardinals, the wild card. This team that, again, they looked like they were poised to make a wild card spot last year. And then they just honestly shit the bed in the last four weeks there. Like uh, whether it's losing to CJ Beathard in a must-win game or uh, – 
just, you know, a couple other losses that were uncharacteristic of the team very early on. Similar type of trajectory to Russell Wilson, yet Kyler Murray just seemed like he stalled out towards the end. Whether that's the injury or the offense got figured out, that's hard to say. How do you think the Seahawks look compared to the rest of the division, team by team? You know, it's hard to say that, oh, they're the clear-cut favorite, just because I feel like so many of these teams are so close. I think that it's really neck and neck. I really think that any of these teams can win the division and actually have the Cardinals as one of my dark horses, not just in the NFC West, but in the entire NFC in and of itself. And so that being said, I can honestly see all four teams making the playoffs. Um, If I really have to pick one team today, I'm still going to go with the team that won the division last year, not just because they're the hometown team, but just because I have the most faith in, in the roster and Russell Wilson, I think that with the Cardinals, I still don't trust Cliff Kingsbury in the Rams. Yes, you had the number one defense last year, but is Matthew Stafford going to be able to offset all those losses on defense, including Brandon Staley uh, with the 49ers? Like you said, health. We don't know if Trey Lance is going to be ready. And so there are a lot of issues right now. And I just think that with the Seahawks, Seahawks they shouldn't be the easy number one. But right now, I just thought of man at number one. Hey, hey, hey. we got still got Jimmy G. Trey Lance, you know, you can wait a minute. Feels great, baby. Come on. We got this. We got a winning record with Jimmy if he stays healthy. Oh, no, definitely. He wins games. (laughs) That's the thing. I mean, I've always had this debate with Jimmy. It's just like, you know, when he is on the field, obviously the Niners produce, they win games. That, honestly, I'll take that over just a fantastic statistical season any day. I don't know what it is. I don't know what that charisma is, but it brings wins to the team. And considering I haven't seen a lot of those in my Niners fanhood, I'll take them. Uh, but you know you bring up great points with the Rams there um Matthew Stafford obviously a big switch I feel like a lot of pressure is on Matthew Stafford to this year that a lot of people aren't really talking about because so long we we just played it off on well he's with the Lions the Lions don't win the Lions are a bad organization now he's with a good organization now he's with a offensive coordinator uh in Sean McVay who's very talented has been able to produce the last couple years with Jared Goff and if you read a lot into the comments that they put out there about Jared Goff, it sounds like it was a very mutual breakup there. Um, very heated breakup too, based off some of these like uh, direct pot shots they seem to be taking at the guy. Um, so, you know, I feel like there is a lot more pressure on Matthew Stafford this year than people are really talking about. No doubt. I mean, look, the team traded not only their, their starting quarterback, but two future first round picks and an initial pick on top of that. And Matthew Stafford, for as good as he is, for as talented as he is, you're right. He has yet to really put it all together in terms of making a playoff run. A lot of people talk about, oh, he didn't have weapons. He didn't have a defense. He was in a terrible city. Well, he had a couple of years over there where he had a decent roster around him. He had a decent defense around him. He had Calvin Johnson. He's had a 5,000-yard season. And so I get it. Like, he's talented, but talent isn't always going to equate to success. And, yes, he's going to have a defense. He's going to have a running game. He's going to have a great head coach. But he still has to put it together. He still has to be able to establish a rapport with the, with the receivers over there, excuse me. And we're going to have to see if he's going to be able to carry this team. Not only is he getting older, but like I said, I don't know if he's good enough at this stage in his career to offset some of those losses on defense. You have Aaron Donald, you have Jalen Ramsey, but who else do you really have? I don't trust the rest of that Rams defense. Now, after losing John Johnson, Michael Brockers, Troy Hill, and I know they have a lot of guys waiting in the wings, but I've yet to really see it. And so until that happens, I'm not going to buy too much into the Matthew Stafford uh, hype. Yeah, and then, two people are underrating this. You have Brandon Staley. You mentioned him leaving. That is a huge loss because Sean McVay, uh-huh. he doesn't call a single play on defense. They've had their right. third defense coordinator in three years. That is an adjustment for a team that, like you mentioned, is going to be very top-heavy with those top two guys, Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. So who's going to be teaching the younger guys the scheme? Who's going to be making sure that everyone stays in line? 
well, now it's not Sean McVay. It's uh, gosh, I don't even know their defense coordinator's name offhand this year. But um, again, the point I think is Raheem Morris. Raheem Morris. What well, Raheem Morris? He definitely had success with the Falcons last year. That was right around when that team had its little bit of a turnaround. But again, new face, new voice um, doesn't always equal the best results. Moving on to another team, too, speaking of high-pressure situations. So you mentioned the Cardinals in there as well. Um, you know, NLS, it's a, it's a very tough competitive division. Cliff Kingsbury, uh, yeah, I tell you, talk about a coach on the hottest of hot seats. As I mentioned, they lost to C.J. Beathard and the Niners in a must-win game towards the end of the year on Amazon Prime. But I think that that's kind of very telling of where this team has been. And they, they went out this offseason. They acquired some veterans here, J.J. Watt. AJ Green, is that enough for the Cardinals to really make that push? And when you said you had them as a dark horse contender, how how much does that go for you? Are you saying like Super Bowl contender? Or are we just talking about NL West contender? No, definitely just NFC West. I'm not going to go as far as to say Super Bowl, but a lot of my hopes of the Cardinals being a dark horse in the NFC really lies on Kyler Murray. I'm just that much of a believer in Kyler Murray, and I could really see him making a leap towards MVP status this upcoming year. I don't trust, like I said, I don't trust Cliff Kingsbury. I don't trust A.J. Green. I don't trust some of those veterans that they brought in. James Conner still can't seem to stay healthy, and so I'm really riding my hopes on, on Kyler Murray. Once again, I think he's a generational talent. I think that he's one of the best young one of the brightest quarterbacks in the NFL. And, and I think that he can compensate for a lot of the weaknesses on that football team. Okay. Let's end our NFC West talk here. So there was a lot of talk about Russell Wilson in the off season, obviously in regards to his future status with the team, does adding Gabe Jackson and stone Forsyth give him enough confidence in this offensive line moving forward? Those two alone, no, but Shane Waldron is a name that I think a lot of people are kind of sleeping on. With the type of offense that he's going to bring in, he's going to install a lot more quick routes, a lot more hot routes, a lot, a lot more easier stuff for Russ Wilson to work with. A lot of the times, Brian Schottenheimer or Daryl Bevel, a lot of the times when they would let Russ cook, it'd be with the deep ball. They never gave Russ Wilson easy reads. They never gave him short reads. They never gave him check downs. Because if you pay attention, Russ Wilson almost never does those things. He doesn't he doesn't ever rarely throw short. He barely checks down. He barely looks short. He's always looking to make that Superman play, that deep play. And so I think with Shane Waldron coming in, his presence alone is going to improve the offensive line. If Russell Wilson is getting rid of the football within four to five seconds of the ball being snapped, then I think that you're going to see a lot of great things. A lot of the times, Russell Wilson is holding on to the football, and people are bashing the offensive line, and I get it, deservedly so, but I think that Russell Wilson isn't getting enough of the blame towards him. I think that he's responsible for about 20 to 25% of the sacks that he takes simply because of the fact that he holds on to the football for far too long. So Gabe Jackson and Stone Forsyth, no, but Gabe Jackson, Stone Forsyth, and Shane Waldron, yes. Well, I appreciate you saying that too, like also putting a little bit of the onus on Russell Wilson. And when I first heard those comments come out on Dan Patrick, yeah, I kind of like looked at them like, well, that's not great throwing your offensive line under the bus because Again, when you are a quarterback that makes a lot of magic stuff happens like Russ does, believe me, I've seen it for years, him working magic plays on the Niners, it does leave you at more opportunity to get sacked. There's a reason he's been leading the league in most sacked quarterbacks over the last few years. And I, I do think, do you think that was an indictment on him as a leader in particular, though? No doubt, just a little bit. You know, I think that he's established himself as a quarterback and as a human being in the NFL. And so it's not like a major dig at his character or his reputation, but it definitely is somewhat of a hit to his reputation, but I have no doubt in my mind, he's cleared things up with his offensive lineman, especially, and I hopefully, or not, excuse me, and I hope with Dwayne Brown, just because he's a leader of that O-line, and if a lot of people pay attention, Dwayne Brown, even at 36 years old, is still one of the very best O-line in all of football, and so knowing Russell Wilson, I have no doubt 
I have no doubt in my mind that he has cleared it up or at least cleared the air with some of those guys, if not all of them. What do you think of him giving them the list of teams that he would be willing to accept the trade to? It's kind of a weird thing to do, right? No doubt. Yeah, I kind of thought it was just a list to put out there just to kind of gain leverage. I didn't think it was very realistic just because when you break down each of those teams, they didn't really have much of a realistic shot of of landing Russell Wilson. So it was all smoke to me. So if we get a divorce, these are the girls I'm going to go see. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) what that list was right there. Um, so you released a video recently breaking down the Julio Jones trade and in our little hiatus, we unfortunately missed the boat on talking about that. You referred to it as the pick your poison offense. What do you think about the Titans as legit contenders in the AFC? So I think that the Titans are definitely top three contenders in the AFC before I didn't even have them win in the division, but now with Julio coming to town, I think this makes them automatic favorites to, to win the AFC South. And I think it vaults them into top three in the AFC altogether. I'm not going to say that they're better than the Chiefs. I don't know if they're even better than the Browns, but I think they could be better than possibly the Bills. Who knows? Maybe Josh Allen takes that step back. I don't know. They still don't have a ground game. Their defense is still mediocre. Maybe defenses have figured out Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. And so I'm still – I'm a little skeptical about Buffalo. And so I think that Tennessee can make that leap into number three. But I think with that offense that they have, it's going to be able to make up and compensate for a lot of the weaknesses on their defense. But I'm very excited about what they could do. But the potential of that offense is going to be more of a, a load taken off of Derrick Henry. And so we'll see what happens. But it's really all, all up to Ryan Tannehill and whether or not he can continue to build off of his, his success from the last couple of years. I am concerned, though, when I look at that defense, though. That defense was one of the worst in the league last year. And they added a couple little pieces here and there, but nothing that really I feel like shifted around the balance of how do you fix one of the most historically bad third-down defenses in NFL history? You know, I I think that that just puts them in a position where it's just like, can they score enough points to compensate out for that futility on the other side of the ball? Definitely think so. You know, one of the points that I made in that video was there's really nowhere to go but up for that defense. They finished with a measly or with an atrocious 19 sacks last year. How does it get worse than that? I think that there's only really room to 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 go up. I think that with Bud Dupree, uh, he's not. I don't think he's a top tier pass rusher on a winning team, but he is a lot better than what they had last year. Danico Autry's been a very rock solid presence the last couple of years. Seven and a half sacks or more. Seven sacks, six and a half sacks. He's had years like that. Um, who else are they bringing? Harold Landry should build off of what he had last year. The secondary should be a lot better. And when you look at the offense that they had, Corey Davis was their number two wide receiver and they were fourth in the NFL in scoring. Now, Julio Jones is a massive upgrade over Corey Davis. And so I'm not sure if they're going to be able to put up enough points to offset the futility of the defense, like you said, but they're definitely going to be able to put up a lot more than some of the points that they put up last year. I mean, just talent wise, I mean, Julio, AJ Brown, Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, I mean, Ooh, I think people better watch out. I mean, that defense is going to get better. I am concerned, though, when I think about the switch at offensive coordinator. So Arthur Smith Uh, obviously is gone and going to the Atlanta Falcons to be their head coach. And Todd Downing is coming in. Uh, Todd Downing's last OC job was with the Raiders. And the Raiders were a very underwhelming offense. And not for lack of having some pieces there during his time. Uh, certainly Derek Carr is very, one of the more criminally underrated quarterbacks in the league as far as like uh, what he's able to do and produce. You have these great ingredients, but do you have the right chef to put them all together? That's a good question. Uh, one that we're probably not going to find out the answer to until later on in the season, but I just think that there's too much talent there to not be able to get it right. I mean, 
Todd Down, he's coming into a great situation. He has talent. He has other coaches around him to kind of help him get to know, you know, some of these guys on that offense. And, yes, it's going to be somewhat of a downgrade, but it's not like Montana is just going to forget how to play football. Derrick Henry, he's still going to know how to play football. Julio Jones is still a top 10 receiver when healthy. A.J. Brown's an emerging wide receiver in this league. They're not going to forget how to play football. And so at the end of the day, I think that when it comes to something like that, talent is going to trump coaching. But coaching is still de most definitely a huge part of it. But, I mean, these guys aren't going to forget how to play football. The, the talent and the upside, the potential is massive. So sitting here right today, you're going to say the Titans are going to be your AFC South favorite? Oh, no doubt. We'll see what happens with Carson Wentz and the Colts, if they can hit a little bit of rebound. Obviously, he's coming back with his former offensive coordinator, Frank Reich. All right, well, let's kind of like shift gears from the NFL to the NBA. One of your other most recent videos revolved around one Ben Simmons. Came with the catchy title of the 76ers should not trade Ben Simmons. Not too many people are making that take out there. Everyone just pretty much is rooting them on to every other team in the books. Uh, can you kind of like explain a little to the listeners who may not have seen that video, like uh, your thoughts on why the 76ers should keep Simmons? Look, I just think that he, he's 24 years old, going on 25. He's locked in for the next four years at 146 million. There aren't that very many commodities out there like him available. And I just don't think that so right now, his trade value is at an all-time low, right? You're going to trade him while his value is at an all-time low? What are you going to get in return? Malcolm Brogdon in a first-round pick? That's not going to move the needle for me or for the Philadelphia 76ers. Let's not forget, for all of his limitations, for all of his faults, especially when it comes to the free throw line, when it comes to the end of games, he's still a three-time All-Star, a two-time All-Defensive selection, and the runner-up for Defensive Player of the Year, all the while only being 24 years old. And so there's still potential to grow. I go back and look at his summer league tape. He was shooting the ball. He wasn't scared. Clearly, this is a mental thing. It's not as if he literally can't shoot. It's not as if he has a broken jumper. His jumper doesn't look that broken. It can be fixed. Um, and I think that there's still time for him, for them to really work this stuff out. And even if he does return, it doesn't mean he has to be the point guard. Maybe they can look for a point guard or another guard in the backward that can handle the ball, that can shoot the basketball. And I think you could shift him over to power forward. You could let him be the point forward rather than the point guard because there is a difference in those roles. And I think that there's too much potential still to be fulfilled. And like I said, he's still 24 years old. There's a lot of potential out there. And I think that his whole life, He's just been operating off of talent and talent alone. He isn't, he isn't really striking me as a guy that's been grinding, that's been putting eight hours at the gym. But now that he's at a reality check, I think that this offseason, we're going to see a whole different Ben Simmons. I think he's really going to get there in the gym. He's really going to work with, you know, uh, different people to kind of fix his mental issues when it comes to shooting the basketball. And I think that there's still time to get it fixed. And I think that Doc Rivers is another guy that you could blame. I think that with the options available, that they're not going to move the needle. Yeah, you could trade for a C.J. McCollum, but is that going to be enough to offset the, the loss on defense? C.J. McCollum can't guard to save his life. He can't play defense to save his life, even if he's able to drop 30-plus in the playoffs. And so Ben Simmons, I think that there's still certainly a role for him. Now, it's going to take a lot, of, a lot of hard work for him to gain the trust of Philly fans, but he's still young, man. I, I think give him another chance. If there's another flame out next offseason, okay, then give him more thought. But as of right now, don't trade him while his value is at an all-time low. You're really not going to get enough. I think that if there's a trade for Bradley Beal to be done, then maybe trade Ben Simmons. But if it's not Bradley Beal or another superstar like Damian Lillard, then you're better off keeping him. Yeah, of all the injuries we've seen in the NBA playoffs, definitely one of the worst injuries is to Ben Simmons' psyche because that free throw percentage, all-time low, you talk about it. And, yeah, it's just disastrous for someone who's at the pro level in the NBA to – be less than a 50% free throw shooter. 
Now you would, so you're saying you would do the one for one trades like Bradley Bill or Damian Lillard straight up. Yes, sir. And, and that's the thing though. It's like, uh, obviously I, I think when people are talking about the uh, trade situations here, it's like, how do you fix the 76ers team? Because now they built it around those two guys that Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid dynamic, and you don't know how many health, more healthy seasons you're going to get at Joel Embiid. So I think that's put a lot more pressure to make a drastic move. We've seen stuff like this in the NBA or the NFL, where there's such a willingness to move off, for example, young quarterbacks so soon. And I, I think it's just because of the type of society we're in, where it's just like, what have you done for me lately? And what have you done for me right. lately has turned into uh, literally like, what have you done for me in the last like 30 seconds, you know? So I, I think that that's <laughs> one of the big reasons why people are so willing to move off Ben Simmons. But I, I think it's just, how do you, how do you fix someone's psyche? Like once it gets so like, poisonous in in the brain like that um like look at what happened to markel fultz so speaking of the 76ers organization here we are markel mm-hmm. fultz ben simmons two guys broken shots how, how does that happen like how, how do you like completely turn around some guys is just talking it out is that as simple as that i don't think it's that simple like i said i, I really think that this offseason we're going to see ben simmons really just hit the gym really just start putting up shots um, and I know that this is somewhat of a reach, but I'm going to go here anyway. In that same video, I talked about how, remember LeBron's finals meltdown in 2011? He kept choking and choking and choking against the Dallas Mavericks over and over and over again in the fourth quarter. He just wasn't the same LeBron James. Well, it wasn't just in that series in which he choked in the fourth quarter. Prior to, to that series, LeBron was known as a choker in the fourth quarter. That's the way he was for the first seven to eight years of his career. And that's uh, no disrespect. I mean, he's still my favorite player to watch. And so I'm just really calling it how I see it, or at least how it was back then. LeBron was oh, he was famous for choking in the fourth quarter, but then he was able to eventually get over that hump. And after that finals against the Mavericks, look what he's become now. And so maybe get in touch with who LeBron got in touch with after that Mavericks finals and, and kind of go, go over a couple of sessions, therapy sessions with him. And on top of that, put in, put in some work at the gym. Like I said earlier, Ben Simmons has been a guy that just relied on talent and talent alone. He wasn't much of a hard worker, but now that he's out of reality check, he's going to get in the gym. He's going to put up the shots. He's going to put in the work and he's going to get help over here. I think the worst problem, though, for Ben Simmons in particular is he's not putting himself even in a position to choke. There was that stat out there that he only took three shots in the fourth quarter between the seven games against the uh, Hawks. I mean, that's like um, not even a willingness to be aggressive enough to take control, especially, too, for someone that is perceived as a star athlete like Ben Simmons is. Um, I, I think that is worrisome. You mentioned Doc Rivers. So, I mean, it seems like the 76ers are moving through with Doc at this point. And I think it's just so hard to find good coaching in the NBA in general to try and find like a guy that's just going to come in and completely turn around a Ben Simmons game, because we're talking about now between two different coaches between doc and uh, Brent Brown there. Um, and it doesn't seem like there's been much change in um, Ben Simmons, like uh, work ethic. So trying to find that right motivator, I think is uh, a lot tougher said than done right now. No doubt. But I think that when you have your own teammates, calling you calling you out throwing you under the bus in front of the national media I think that's going to change things a little bit we, we all saw what Joel Embiid said after the game he was blaming he was pretty much talking about the whole thing and how it went down uh with you know Ben Simmons passing up that layup giving it to Thibault I mean when you get called out like that in front of the national media I think I'd like to think that that'd be ignite or at least ignite a fire within you especially when you're a guy like Ben Simmons who's only 24 years old he's still going to continue to grow he still hasn't really fully developed yet and so I think some of those things will Definitely uh, play itself out. But did the 76ers match up well against the East moving forward too? Now we got to remember, we got this Nets team that's 
you know, yet to truly be unveiled and wh whether they'll all stay healthy for a particular length of time. That's one of the thing, big mysteries of the NBA right now. But if they are, I, I, do the 76ers even stand a chance against that big three? Do they match up well against the Bucs? I mean, they do do a great job of building a wall whenever they face Giannis, and that's been the strategy to beat them. But now we're starting to see like an emergence of a Trey Young who just, uh, despite everything going well for the 76ers, when you consider uh, what Joel Embiid was able to do despite his uh, meniscus injury, uh, having leads in most of the majority of the games, if not, I believe, all games at one point, can the 76ers team, like, without a drastic change, still compete in the East? That's tough. Um, I'm going to go out and say yes. Like I said, I'm, I'm still a big believer in Ben Simmons. I think that Joel Embiid, yes, it's a big if, but he's going to be a matchup problem for the Nets. Even if the Nets have a healthy big three, who on the Nets is going to be able to guard Joel Embiid? As long as Ben Simmons is able to lock up on at least one of those guys, KD, Harden, or Kyrie, and then you have Embiid doing his thing in the post, uh, then I think that they still most definitely have a chance. Now, they do have to make changes around the roster, and they won't be able to make any drastic changes, but – I don't know. Who knows? Maybe they're able to pull off a trade for a CJ McCollum while keeping Ben Simmons, while keeping Tobias Harris, while keeping Joel Embiid. If they're able to do something like that, then oof, I'd watch out. They have had somewhat of an aggressive front office when they need to be. I mean, they did go out there and get Jimmy Butler a couple of years ago, go out there and get Tobias Harris a couple of years ago. Uh, so mm -hmm. especially now with Daryl Morey at the helm, Daryl Morey's not afraid to make drastic changes to a roster to try and win a title. I mean, he said that that is one of the things that he's relentlessly pursuing and uh of course he fell short when it came to houston uh different approaches for doing things but um you know i, I do think that they do have a guy who's determined at least in the front office and that may actually be too another reason why uh ben simmons and him may be at odds in the future we are coming at to you right before game two of the nba finals where the suns are currently leading uh 1-0 in this series who would you be happier for uh, if they won the title this year? Happier for CP3 or Giannis? Oh, this one's easy. Got to go CP3. I mean, everyone talks about it. It's his 16th year in the NBA. It's his first NBA Finals appearance. And he just got his first NBA Finals win the other night. And so I'd be a lot happier for Chris Paul. I think that it would cement his legacy or his status as a top five point guard in all of NBA history. I think right now that's kind of up in limbo without a ring. But with the ring and potentially a Finals MVP, that could change the the course or the, yeah the course of his career and I think that could really vault him into top five maybe even top three point guard of all time uh Giannis he still has so much time left in this league he's only what 25 26 he's gonna be in the finals yet again Chris Paul and the Suns I don't know the Lakers are gonna come back the Nuggets are gonna come back the Clippers are gonna come back and so this is really the best year that the Suns the best opportunity that they have to win a chip now and for a guy who's never been to the finals in 16 years of playing I'd be a lot happier for him than for the guy who has an, at least another 10 to 15 years left remaining in his career. If the Suns win, do you think CP3 should stick with the Suns and run it back uh, coming towards the opt-out in his contract? No doubt. I don't see why he wouldn't. Um, and I don't see why the Suns wouldn't pony up the money to, to do whatever it takes to keep him. I mean, why trade all this to go to a place like New York or trade all this to go to a place like, I don't know, LA. I, I think they got a good thing going and, Try to keep trying to make it last as long as you possibly can. Yeah, it's really impressive, honestly, what CP3 has been able to do. Um, his time, you just think about his all the organizations he's been at in the NBA, whether it be the lowly like New Orleans, like Hornets back in the day, uh, going to the Clippers, Lob City, uh, tons of highlight real plays. Then he goes to Houston, just on the cusp of beating that Golden State Warriors team, just right there. If it wasn't just for 
what was that hamstring that got him that year? Gosh. It was. And 27 straight missed threes in that game. 27 missed threes. 27. And it was a single digit game. Just think, just like two, three of those. That would have made all the difference in the world. Then he gets thrown out to the Wolves to go in OKC and just, I don't know, go out to pasture like old Yower and manage to make that team a playoff team. Now we're here with the Suns, a team that, I'll be honest, I think what this NBA Finals, this NBA playoffs has really taught me is to be a little bit more patient with these young guys. Um, because I guess we talked about it a little bit with like Ben Simmons, but in particular, when it came to guys like Trey Young, Devin Booker, at least the last couple of years, I always discounted them because they just seem like stat patterns to me. Like these dynamic point totals, but a team that wins 19 games a year. And then CP3 goes there, right mix, right mix of chemistry. And now Devin Booker, DeAndre Aiden, those guys are looking like studs and just three games away for them. Three games away from winning the NBA finals. Uh, it, it's just honestly impressive. And like you mentioned, like what, what does that mean for CP3's legacy? Um, you know, it's hard for obviously like our generation to really say someone as we've missed out on some of these guys too. Like people always talk about, Oh, you know, magic and everything. And when I listen to like coward or Gottlieb or any of these guys, but I mean, obviously we didn't get a chance to see it. You and I, right. To see CP3, it's like, no doubt he's a top five. And I mean, dare I say even potentially top three, but that may be just because again, the naiveness of not having seen Isaiah magic, uh, Oscar Robinson and these guys live in action. See, I don't think you'd be crazy to say something like that. You look at the point guards in today's NBA for Chris Paul to win a ring at 36 years old in a league where the point guard, there's so much parody in point guards. You have so many great point guards in the league today for Chris Paul to emerge victorious in a league where there's been so many point guards, so many star point guards. I think there's a little bit more meaning to that than back then, just because back then uh, a lot of the guys that won championships, obviously aside from MJ from magic, a lot of those guys were led by big men. It was really big men who dominated the league. This time around, it's guards. There's been so many guards out there. So for Chris Paul to really come out on top, I think there's more meaning to that. And so I don't think you're crazy for saying that he could potentially be top three with the potential ring. Um, we have one last thing that we could like to always do with for our guests, especially newcomers. Just ask your favorite sports movie and why. Ooh, this one's a good one. Uh, I always talk about the blind side, and so that's definitely up there. But I might have to go with Coach Carter. You know, I just remember – growing up just watching that over and over and over again and there's just a quote in there that I really I really stand by I really live by that I really remember the most I guess and uh so I gotta go with Coach Carter basketball still is my favorite sport to this day and that is a basketball movie uh Samuel L. Jackson one of my most favorite actors and so it really all just comes together gotta be Coach Carter for me damn Samuel L. Jackson just any role man he just manages to tear it up but uh, aces right, it <laughs> all right man well go ahead and drop all the obligatory plugs where can people find you what you're working on next uh what can you expect from you this coming football season Whew. so once again julian it's been an honor it's been a pleasure working with you i hope this isn't the last time i look forward to working with you again in the future thanks for having me on again steezy a smith uh calvin domingo aka steezy a smith you can find me on all socials primarily on youtube once again S-T-E-E-Z-Y-A-S-M-I-T-H. Um, like you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, we've both been on our respective hiatuses. And for my channel, if you go ahead and tune in or at least subscribe, you can expect a whole lot of Seahawks content, a lot of NBA content. I'm going to dive into boxing UFC in a little bit. And I do have a little team behind me working on baseball and hopefully soccer is soon to come. But I am dropping a Pacquiao and an Errol Spence video sometime in, a couple, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, a couple of Seahawks videos here and there. I will 
do an NBA Finals video. I'm going to talk about Chris Paul and whether or not he's a top five point guard uh, if, if he gets a ring. And so those are some of the things, things that you can expect on my channel. Um, but if you're tuning in right now, don't forget to show my brother his love. Uh, definitely subscribe. Uh, leave a like. Leave a comment. It really helps us out tremendously. And I appreciate you guys for tuning in. I'll just find a way to set the notifications to uh, mute the Seahawks content. But other than that, we're all good. <laughs> all right, man. But all right, guys. Well, oh, you know where man. to find us. Ask Lump Buster Podcast on IG. Ask Lump Buster Pod on Twitter. Find our TikTok. I believe it's Slump Buster Pod. Just, just type that in. I'm sure that will pop up at some point. Uh, we started a new thing, Slump Buster Gaming. See Money's breaking out the uh, breakdowns of MLB The Show. So go ahead and follow along with that. As you know, we try and acquaint ourselves with the game, try and give you guys some new content. And of course, this wouldn't all be possible without you guys tuning in. So hit that subscribe button. Keep building on the audience. Keep using that promo code SLUMP at kmancoffco.com. Come on, don't be a chump. Use promo code SLUMP at kmancoffco.com to get some delicious hibiscus teas, some cold brew coffees, and uh, yeah, just in general, the hashtag bust the slump. But all right, guys, you stay safe, happy, and healthy, and we'll see you on the next one.